Like Pastor Randy said, obviously I'm not Pastor Jay. Um, I'm Mikey. Um, I'm the youth pastor here at Connect Church, and I've been doing this for almost two years now. In the summer, it'll be two years, which is really crazy and exciting. Um, I'm studying at Liberty University online, um, getting a bachelor's degree in biblical and theological studies and pursuing that. Um, but I'm so excited that I get to have the privilege of hanging out with students from 6th to 12th graders um, each and every week on Sundays and Wednesdays. Um, I love them so much, and they're, uh, they're fun to hang out with and be able to share the good news of Jesus with them. Before I get started today, though, I would like to pray for everyone in here. Um, I truly believe that we serve a sovereign God who has a reason for you guys to be here today. <clears throat> There's a reason that each and every single one of you are sitting in the seats that you're in. There's a reason that you're sitting next to the person that you're sitting next to. And there's a reason you're sitting next to the people around you. There's a reason that God has you in here this morning. And I want to pray for that. I don't know what everyone's story is. I don't know where your hearts are at. I don't know what your reasoning for being here is. But God's got a reason for you being here. And I pray that your eyes and your mouths and your, your, your heads and your hearts are all focused on him today and what he has to say to you. So let me pray real quick, and then um, we'll get started. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. And I pray that um, as we talk for the next few minutes, Lord, that our, our minds and our hearts are focused on you and what you have to say. Lord, I pray that we are challenged and we are encouraged Lord, that we learn to live boldly for you today. Lord, so I pray if someone doesn't know you, Lord, Lord, that they come to know you today, or that they come to know how much you love them and what you've done for them. Lord, thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so I named, titled this message, An Uncomfortable Calling. Um, when, when Pastor Jay came up to me and he asked me to speak, this weekend, um, while he was going to be out of town at a wedding, um, I kept just praying and thinking about what, what, what God, what do, you, what do you want me to say to everyone on Sunday, March 1st? And I couldn't help but thinking about kind of using myself as an example, um, as we've na I've named this an uncomfortable calling. If you don't know me, I'm a very quiet person. Um, if it was up to me, I would be right now sitting in the back just listening to someone else being up here. Um, I'm not a very talkative person, and um, quite honestly, being in front of a bunch of people makes me uncomfortable, but you know, God's got a different plan than that, obviously. And what I want to say to you guys is all of you guys are called as well. God's got a calling on your life, and that looks different for each and every single person in this room. We're all on the same mission, but the way that we pursue the avenues of our calling is different from one another. But for us to pursue our calling that God has given us, and even for us to understand what he's called us to do, we have to be willing to step outside of our comfort zone. And that's so important for us to remind ourselves each and every single day, because if we go to the first point, what we do on earth echoes in eternity. Everything that we do affects either someone else's eternity or our own. And the question is, are we willing to step outside of our comfort zone, get a little uncomfortable, and really live this out? 
Our actions, our words, they all have consequences, whether they're positive or negative. We don't get to just do whatever we want and there not be any repercussions. And, you know, as I was thinking about um, the things that we do in life and being uncomfortable, I, I couldn't help but thinking about a story that happened when I was a teenager. So, you know, I, I have some of the greatest parents. I think I have the greatest parents, and I might be a little biased, but um, they're amazing. And there was one rule that they gave me as a kid. I had many other rules, but this was one. Um, I wasn't allowed to quit anything. If I joined something, if I joined a sport, Boy Scouts, wanted to play an instrument, I was not, I was not allowed to quit. I had to either go through that season. If I didn't like it at the end of the season, I didn't have to do it again, but I was not allowed to quit. And that made me the man I am today. I, even though I'm quiet, I really I enjoy a challenge. A lot of the times if someone tells me I can't do something, I'm going to prove them wrong. That's in some ways my mentality, and I'll do it quietly. But um, from there on out, I, I knew I wasn't allowed to quit anything, and it was just instilled into me not to quit. And because of that, I fell in love with the game of baseball. Um, I played baseball from 4 years old to 18 years old, and I loved it. I played sometimes three times a year. I'd play in the fall, the summer, and the spring. I, I loved it. And specifically in this story, this was my last season playing summer league. And my team, we were ranked number one in Ohio, and we were in our regional semifinal game. And uh, it was noon. It was, uh, the sun was bright. There were no clouds in the sky. And we're playing this team that we had played before, and we had beat them before. But we knew that they had some parents that were hecklers. Um, and they, they liked to scream and yell a lot. And so we're playing. It's the first inning. We're the home team. Pretty sure there were two outs at the time. And this kid, he hits a pop-up. And it goes right into the sun. And I'm playing shortstop. And I'm looking at it. And I cannot see it. And so this lady on the other team screams. He's dropping it. And... Uh, Without a split second later, I hear another voice going, no, he's not. And uh, it was my mom on the other side. Uh, and so um, I'm, staring, I'm staring into the sun, and I can't see the ball. And a lot of things are going on through my mind. Um, either my mom's fighting someone, um, and I don't know about it, or if I drop this ball, she's uh, going to come fight me or something. Um, and so I'm looking and looking into the sun. I end up catching it. And um, we end up winning, and uh, we ended up going on to a state championship game. Um, but uh, I bring that story up because that's how life is sometimes. You're given a challenge. You're given a trial. You're looking up into the sun. And you got the enemy and you got the world telling you one thing. And you got God rooting you on on the other side. But what's the voice that you listen to the most? You listen to the one that's telling you, no, you're going to drop the ball? Or are you listening to God rooting you on? Are you willing? You don't know what's going to happen. You're staring out of that sun. That ball could just, you could not see it. It come smack you right in the face. But are you willing to actually take that chance of being uncomfortable, stepping out of your comfort zone and doing what God's called you to do? I couldn't help but think of a story in the Bible that was so outrageous and uncomfortable than this story that I'm about to share with you. And this is the story of Hosea. 
his calling on life was so outrageous and so, I don't even know how God thought of this, but God went to Hosea and he said, I want you to marry a prostitute. I can only imagine what was probably going through Hosea's mind. God, you want me to do what? Um, okay. And I want to set the scene real quick that is the Israelites at this time in Israel, they were pursuing self-gratification. They thought they could purchase love and joy through money and through power. And you know that sounds a lot like today's society. It sounds a little familiar. You know, Hosea, he goes and marries this woman named Gomer. She was a prostitute, and life actually goes well for a while. He has three kids with her, and things are going great. And then one day, she's gone. She left him. He doesn't know where she's at. And God even says a crazier thing. He says in Hosea 3.1, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. What must have that been like? Hosea had every right not to deal with that anymore. But God said, no, go love her again, go find her. How uncomfortable is that? You have to go find your wife who's cheating on you? so important to see what's going on here. We can learn so much from just this story in these next few verses. And the first thing is, is your first filling. We grow when our comfort is challenged. Hosea would come to grow at the end of the story and understand why exactly God asked him to do this and he would prophesy about a coming king that would come and save everyone. But there's two cycles to life that we can live. One cycle is we can pursue comfort, we can pursue pleasure. One cycle is we can live boldly. And you know, if we pursue comfort, you look at it as a cycle, you've got some arrows going this way. You pursue comfort, you pursue pleasure, you will avoid opposition. You won't stick up to the challenge. You'll just run to comfort again. And if you avoid opposition, your faith will weaken. And if your faith weakens, then you feel empty inside. And when you feel empty, you run back to your comfort and your pleasure. The next cycle that we can live is living a life boldly. When we live boldly for Christ... We take on opposition. We face opposition. Our faith strengthens. We fall more in love with Jesus each and every single day, and we feel full. And because we feel full, we want to do it again, and we want to live boldly again. Which cycle of life are you choosing to live? Because you know the first one is really easy to fall under. And I think the reason for that is because... We focus so much on the future and we focus so much on consequences that we think are going to happen, that we don't know that are really going to happen, that we forget what God's called us to do right now. God tells us to worry about now and he'll deal with the outcome. 
He says, don't worry. Just do as I ask. And I'll deal with the outcome. Now, I'm a planner, and I like to plan things, but sometimes we obsess so much over what's going to happen that we forget what God really has asked us to do. God calls you to pray more passionately. But maybe you haven't made the time to do that yet. Maybe God's calling you to give. Or you're too worried that it might be a bad investment. Maybe there's someone at work that God's called you to talk to and share the gospel with, but you're too afraid of what they're going to say to you. Maybe in your family life, You need to tell someone you're sorry or you love them or you're too afraid of rejection. We need to stop worrying about the consequences. God's got that handled. He's got a plan. We have to be focusing on the now. What has God called you to do right now? That only comes when we live this, this way, and it's our next point. Our ability and our willingness to live selfless lives illustrates the love God has for his people. God gave Hosea a reason to do what he asked him to do, what he told him to do. It says in Hosea 3, the second part of 3.1, God says this, This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. God told Hosea, I want you to do this because I want you to show how much I love these people, how much I love my people, no matter how much they disrespect me, no matter what other things they run to, their comfort, their pleasure, their self-gratification, their purchase of love and joy. I want them to know that no matter where they go in life, I still love them. This was God's idea. But this only happens when we step out of our comfort zone. You know the world wants you to live for you, for you, for you. It's a me, 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 me society. The first sin was being selfish. Wanting to be your own God. That's what's instilled with us. And that even in itself makes life uncomfortable if we're willing to live selflessly for others. Your next feeling is life change comes from a life focused on Jesus. I want everyone to do something for me real quick. I want you to pull out your cell phones. And I want you to put it in selfie mode right now. You can go ahead, get it out of your system, take a selfie with someone, put it on Instagram. I don't care. But pull out your phone, put it in selfie mode, and put it in front of your face. I just want you to look at yourself. And I want you to listen real quick. Are we living life in selfie mode? You notice if you're looking at yourself in that phone, you can't see anything else besides yourself. If we have that in front of us, we're missing out on what God's called us to do. So now I want you to flip the camera and put it into the, the back camera. And odds are you probably see another person in front of you. 
God has called us to live a life of selflessness. That when we come into this building or we go out in life, that our attitude shouldn't be, how can I be loved today? Rather, it should be, how can I love someone today? There are people right in front of you, but if you're too focused on yourself and you're too focused on your comfort zone, you're too focused on the pleasures of life, then you're going to miss the calling on your life. We see this throughout scripture through many, many different stories, but one that in particular you see Saul and David. Saul, he focused so much on himself, on his pride, on his power, on his kingship, that God said, I found someone else to do the job that you were supposed to do. I found King David, who is a man after my own heart. We're all marked by God for something specific. Don't miss out on that calling because you're too scared to get out of your comfort zone. Our lives are supposed to be uncomfortable. You know, Jesus says, the world will hate you because it first hated me. He didn't, per- he didn't promise us a perfect life. And you see the greatest things in the kingdom happen when we're out of our comfort zone, when we're uncomfortable. Christ is focused on you. Are you focused on him? It says in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates, perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Going back to the story, baseball story that I told you guys, a life focused on Jesus gives us confidence not to give up when life gets tough. When challenges get tough, when trials get tough, we don't have to give up because we have Jesus on our side. Jesus gave up his life for us. And he gives us an example of how we should live our lives. He says this in John 15, 9 through 10. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. When Jesus talks about abiding in his commandments, He's talking about also abiding in his love. And the commandment that he's talking about specifically right here is the commandment of sacrificially sacrificially loving one another. That's what each and every single one of us are called to do. Like I said earlier, we have different avenues. We have a different way of doing that. Looks different. But that's our calling on life. Jesus makes an example of this in Luke 8, 18, verses 20 through 22, and he's talking to a rich man here. 
He's talking to a rich man who asks him, how do I get into heaven? Jesus answers him this, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father, father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing that you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So what Jesus is saying here is he's not specifically saying that all of us have to give up our money and all of our possessions specifically to follow him. He knew what this man's heart desired because this man decided, I'm not going to give up all my stuff to follow Jesus. I'm just going to keep all my money. Jesus knew where that man's heart was. Jesus knows where your heart is. Are you willing to give up your comfort or your pleasure to follow Jesus? When Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, let me ask this question. When he says that, is that a burden to you? Or is that what you're willing to do? To take up your cross, be humble enough to give up your desires, your comfort, and your pleasure so others can come to know Jesus. That's an uncomfortable calling. And you know, Hosea, he does this same thing 750 years before Jesus says this. He does, he, he does this exact same thing. He goes looking for Gomer. He goes looking and he goes to places where a man of God should not be. We got to remember that Hosea here, he is the prophet. He is the one that people would come to and God would speak through. He's going to places that he should not be. He's going to places in the industry that she worked at. Imagine if he had to have conversations with some of those people. He had to have conversations maybe with men that maybe purchased her services. How uncomfortable would that be? How hard would that be to go look for your wife in dark, dark places? Jose ends up finding her. She's being sold on an auction as a slave. And Hosea says, you're not going to be a slave. I will pay the price for you. Hosea goes on to pay the price for Gomer. It says this in Hosea 3, 2, So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. Guys, the gospel's right there. The gospel's right there. Hosea, he went and paid the price. That was the price for a slave back then. You know, and Gomer, she felt so distraught. She was in such a dark place that she felt like she had to pay her debt by giving her life, giving her body. But that wasn't even going to pay the debt that she probably owed. Hosea paid the debt that she owed, and you know what? 
That represents the gospel. That represents everything that Jesus did for us. God said, you cannot pay your debt, but I will go to the most disgusting, dark place on this earth, and that is the cross, and I will pay the price for you. Every, blood that I, every drop of blood that I shed was for you. God doesn't stop there, though. He makes it so much more complete. If you look at their names, if you look at Hosea and you look at Gomer's name, Hosea's name means salvation. Gomer means completion. Who's Hosea? Who does he represent? He represents Jesus. Who does Gomer represent? She represents me. She represents you. When you come to know that you need a Hosea, you need Jesus, and you know that you're a Gomer, I hope Jesus paying the price for you has encouraged you to be more like Hosea, to be more like Jesus. When you realize there are more Gomers out there that need to know that there is a God who loves them so much that he came and saved them from their sins, saved them from their debt that they owed. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to be like Hosea? Are you willing to be like Jesus and step outside your comfort zone so others can know Jesus? And you know, maybe some of you in here have realized that you're Gomer. That someone came to the darkest places, no matter what you've done in life, no matter where you think you've been, God loves you and he died on the cross for you the same. So it brings me to my connection point. Seeking comfort leads to emptiness. Living boldly leads to freedom. When we seek comfort, we might have a little bit of gratification, but we're going to end up feeling empty in the long run. When we live boldly, we will find freedom and the chains of sin will be ripped from us. And not only will we feel freedom, but if we're willing to live boldly, other people will come to know freedom. They will come to know the Son of Man. The way that we live on this earth echoes into eternity. That's not changing. Don't think you're inadequate enough. Don't think you can't do it. God's got a reason for your calling. Will you trust him? Will you look up into that sun? Will you be willing to catch that ball? Will you be willing to be a little uncomfortable? out there and I hope this is a challenge and this is encouraging this is convicting 
for you to live selfless lives, to live lives of sacrifice so you can share the love of Christ with people, so people can know how much they are loved. We live in a time and a place where people feel empty and they do not know where to go and they go to comfort, they go to pleasure, and that never fulfills them. Maybe tonight, that's you, or this morning, this is you. Maybe you realize this morning that you're Gomer. You're in a deep, dark place this morning, and you don't know where to go. Let me tell you, there's a God who created you, who got down in the dirt, he got down in the mud. He created you, and he breathed life into you. Precious creation. The one thing that separates you from him is the sin that we all have. None of us are perfect. All fall short, short of God's glorious standard. Nothing we can do can pay our own debt. Because the debt of sin is death. God said, you know what? I love you so much that I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to pay the price for you. And he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Be whipped, be beaten. The death that we deserve, he put him on the cross. And he said, this is your payment because Jesus is perfect. But it didn't stop there.
salvation. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and what he's done for us. into the sun, Lord, and share the gospel with people, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how hard it may be, it's worth it in the end, Lord, and you are on our side. Lord, I pray this morning, if someone doesn't know you, Lord, that you give them the courage, you give them they love you. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you for your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.